WDET. I am Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We're talking about the efforts at at voter suppression that are are gathering some steam in Lansing, as they are in other state capitals around the nation. There is no surprise that this is happening, given the massive voter turnout that we saw in November of last year, and actually again in January of this year when in the state of Georgia, uh, massive turnout helped elect two Democratic senators uh, from that state. The response from Republicans has been to come up with a number of measures uh, that would make it harder for people to vote. And most of those measures would have a disproportionate impact on poor people and uh, and African-Americans and uh, other ethnic minorities uh, in America. We want to continue this conversation with somebody who's uh, working really hard on this issue. Marissa Kovic is a policy strategist at the ACLU of Michigan, and she joins us now. Marissa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Yes. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Yes, it's great to have you here. So you've been looking really closely at these new election changes proposed by Uh, the GOP in Michigan. Let's start with the bills introduced in the state Senate last week. What are some of the highlights and lowlights in your mind? Um, Well, I think you're exactly correct that this is very much a coordinated effort across the country and in retaliation to voter turnout. So a lot of the bills that we saw introduced in Michigan were exact replicas of what we've seen introduced in over 40 states across the country just this year. And then uh, some of the other some other bills that we saw in Michigan were very much um, creatively written and written in a very precise manner to go after some of the specific lies and conspiracy theories that uh, circulated around Detroit's election in particular. So um, reductions on access to ballot boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, strict voter ID, which um, I, I heard the question earlier from a call-in and uh, that Senator Chang spoke to. Um, very much uh, a, a lot of non-solutions chasing non-problems because lies and conspiracy theories were allowed to perpetuate unchecked so much around the Michigan election in November. Mm. Uh, there's also this separate but parallel effort to put a petition initiative in front of the legislature in order to get around Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who presumably would veto most of these uh, most of these measures if they pass the legislature. What's your understanding of what that will look like? My understanding is that it, it it's going to look very similar to the legislation that's been introduced to a lot of the suppression measures that have been introduced across the country. So Mm -hmm. efforts to really limit access um, to for voters to cast their vote and make their voices heard. And it it very much is about certain politicians using what little power they have left and arguably many of them without a mandate to tip the favor in their scales and um, manipulate our democracy so that those of us who turned out in huge numbers this past election, our voices are going to be stifled more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking with Marissa Kovach, who's a policy strategist at the ACLU of Michigan. We're talking about uh, the voter suppression uh, uh, legislation that's on tap in Lansing and in state capitals around the country. It's all a response to the massive voter turnout that produced 
the results that we saw in November, uh, November's elections, also in January when we had special elections in Georgia. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Let us know what you think of some of these measures, what you think of the GOP strategy of trying to prevent uh, some people from voting rather than perhaps appealing to new voters to to support their side of uh, their side of things. Um, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Mark in Pontiac. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. I love your show. Well, thank you. Um, I just want to tell you how uh, what an ordeal it was for me to get a picture ID. Um, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I served some time in a, a prison, and when I got out, I didn't have a picture ID or a social security card. Hmm. And uh, thankfully, I was uh, uh, mentally ill and had health insurance, but I had to get a, a physical from a doctor in order to get my social security card. If I didn't have that, I don't think I could have got got one. And, and I had to get a, a birth certificate too. I think that cost me like $50, but wow. that's kind of like a financial hardship. Somebody who's poor, I don't, I don't know how they could uh, get that. So uh, I had to jump through some hoops to get my picture ID. Hmm. Uh, so. You know, Mark, I'm really glad you called and shared that story because I think there are a lot of people who don't, understand that it can be difficult to get uh, to get ID. They don't understand what the circumstances look like for people who have a hard time getting ID. And I think your story is a really great example uh, of, of what can happen. But I also want to say to you, Mark, you, you started uh, off by saying that uh, that you were a little embarrassed that you had uh, that you had served time. I, I certainly hope that you'd that you don't uh, feel that way forever. You know, we all make mistakes. Uh, the, the important thing is that we uh, do what we have to do to be accountable for those mistakes and go in a direction that doesn't uh, have us repeating those mistakes. And it sounds like uh, that's what you're doing. So, oh, I, I wasn't guilty. I was completely uh, railroaded. And don't get yourself a public... Uh, attorney this guy was horrible oh no oh no yeah. okay mark yeah. I, I i had witnesses but he got like the wrong witnesses and everything it was oh, just no. a nightmare yeah well that's another that's another show for us all i right, think at right. some point <laughs> about the public defender system but 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 i really do appreciate the call and the and the explication there uh, marissa uh, respond to to what mark's saying and talk about how common that can be that 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 things can happen that make it difficult to have photo identification. Absolutely, and Mark, thank you so much for calling and sharing your story because you're not alone in this. I, myself, spending some time working the election protection hotline after the election, this is so common, and. I think some of us take for granted that the main way that we prove who we are and go about life is you show your ID. You show your ID when you get on a plane or uh, to purchase alcohol or lottery tickets, um, but or um, you know for any number of things. But that there are many people who don't have access to IDs either because it can be expensive and cost prohibitive. That you have to track down different documents. Um, that may not be accessible to you, that you need to take time sometimes to 
the transportation to go to the Secretary of State's office. And we live in a state that lacks a lot of public transportation. And then I, I'd like to also bring up that I think we need to move away from this argument, playing into this argument that a government-issued photo ID is the only way to prove who you are. Because mm. in Michigan, we have voters have the right to prove who they are in a number of other ways by proving their their where they live um, by being by having the right to sign an affidavit when they go and register to vote, request an absentee ballot to go vote in person, and that is a system that is a model in Michigan for the rest of the country that is, makes it accessible and secure. And we know that because we we know that that voter fraud doesn't occur by voters going and pretending to be someone that they're not. Mm -hmm. And our system is safe and gives voters those options. I mean, and let's also just talk about, too, for folks that do have IDs. What if you lose your ID prior to the election? Mm -hmm. I talked to a number of voters who lost their IDs this year and because of COVID had limited opportunity to go and get a new ID. You shouldn't lose your right to vote or your voice just because you don't have a government issued ID when there are other options to prove who you are and cast your vote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Mark, I, I really appreciate the call and uh, yeah. you sharing that um, story with us. Yeah, I could prove who I was with my prison ID, but you can't get a job with one of those. Right, so. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. a great point. Mark, again, thanks very much for the call. Uh, let's okay, go to, have a good day. Let's go to Mary in Huntington Woods. Mary, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for taking my call, and I enjoy the show. Um, my question is regarding the Republicans and the voter suppression laws. Say they passed in the Republican Senate, and... Uh, Governor Whitmer vetoes it. Mm-hmm. The Republicans start the referendum. The Demo- Democrats start a referendum. Same thing, but to veto or to null and void the uh, Republicans, both pass. Where do we stand? <laughs> oh, that's a that's an interesting scenario, <laughs> Mary. Uh, Marissa, well, can you sort that out happen, for us? Right? Yeah, I suppose. Uh, Marissa, can you sort that out for us? Where Where does this uh, all end? Sure, I, I suppose it can happen, but I, I think it. I want to bring it back to something I heard Senator Chang mention earlier, that we really need to stay vigilant and that the goal is to make sure that this never qualifies for the ballot because we know it's unpopular. Mm. We know that voting rights and increasing access to the vote is incredibly popular. Michiganders voted with a huge majority in 2018 to guarantee and expand um, our voting rights with the passage of Proposal 3 and amend the Michigan Constitution. We saw 80 of 83 counties vote to support that. So we know what is being put forth now by certain politicians is unpopular and wrong. And the only way that it is going to pass is if, um, if we feed into the lies and manipulation that overshadows and underlies all of their arguments here, mm-hmm. that we really need to stay vigilant educate ourselves and fight this um, along the way over the next year as this campaign mounts. Yeah. I I also want to get you to address whether if these laws somehow were to become law, is there a chance that some or all of them might be struck down as unconstitutional in court? 
that's that's certainly possible. I mean, we have an incredible amount of rights guaranteed in the Michigan Constitution now. Uh, We still have rights under the federal government. And I I can say that if voter suppression tactics um, become a real threat and um, to passage in Michigan, or if they do pass, that many of us will use every single tool in our toolbox to fight it along the way. Okay, Uh, Marissa Kovic, uh, policy strategist at uh, the ACLU of Michigan. It was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, Before we end, I want to make sure that I say thank you, a really heartfelt thank you to everybody who supported WDET during our spring fundraiser last week. It is always mind-blowing to me each time we come to you, the listeners, to support this station and all the things that we do here, how enthusiastically you rise to that occasion. And last week, of course, was no exception. So thank you from me and, of course, from all of the folks who work uh, on Detroit Today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk with Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin to talk about her role, uh, her new role as chairwoman of the House Intelligence and Counterterrorism Subcommittee and the threat of domestic terrorism in 2021. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.